Amen. All right, and once again, we are in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Odd Cults. As you know, we are on the topic of New Age. That's right, our old birthday for those of you thinking backwards. Uh, we've already been dealt with, of course, certainly what New Age is. The basic premise of it certainly is not the same thing as biblical Christianity, as we're going to see, because they don't have the same source of truth. What's our source of truth? Tom Roseberry. Tom Roseberry's a great guy, but I'm sorry, Tom. He's not the source of truth. It's the Bible, right? Now, Tom would say that the Bible is, so he's right on that one, that's for sure. And, uh, but man, they do not believe in that. And we saw that, folks, this is coming in like a flood even to the church. The New Age movement is the preparation for what the Bible, it's the only book on the planet that records this for us, is the rise of the Antichrist kingdom that you don't want to have anything to be a part of it. But they say that's the greatest thing. That's what you need to live for, work for, and believe for. But we've already seen, of course, certainly the history. We've dealt with that extensively in their basic beliefs. Okay, now we just started last week with their practices. And, of course, the first one was astrology. Now, what we're going to get into, that's just part one as we saw. Now we're going to get into how, where did they get the source of truth from? It's not the Bible. Okay, astrology, but what's also called mediumships. Okay, mediumship. And then we're going to break it down into three subcategories if we can get that far. But let's take a look, first of all, from the source of truth, the Bible. What does the Bible say about mediums and people who would engage in this kind of behavior to seek information, knowledge, uh, supposed events about the future, etc. Open your Bibles once again to Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18. Then we're going to not only read that, we've read it many times, but we're going to take a look. That's not the only place God says specifically stay away from this kind of stuff. We'll look in Leviticus. We'll take a left. But Deuteronomy 18 is our opening text. Let's take a look there. What does God say about what these New Agers do and where they get their information? Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 18, and let's take a look there. Uh, verse 9, when you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or cast spells, or who is a what? A medium, or spiritist, or who consults with the what? The dead, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before me, uh, before you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. Now, take a left to Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19, we're going to look there, and Leviticus uh, 20. But Leviticus 19, and uh, we're going to look at verse 31. Okay, Leviticus 19, 31. God says this, do not, what do he say? Do not turn to who? mediums or seek out spiritists okay for you will be what defiled by them okay uh, uh, i am the lord your god okay listen to what he says chapter 20 all right verse 6 here's what he says i will set my face against the person who turns to a what mediums and spiritists to prostitute himself by following them and i will cut him off from his people and uh, verse 27 in chapter 20 leviticus a man or a woman who is a medium or a spiritist among you must be what put to death you are to stone them their blood will be on their own head so how many guys would say that god you know just a cursory reading he says uh, don't mess with this and it's not a good thing okay uh stoning them to death capital punishment usually gives it away Okay, why? Because God's trying to hide something from us. No, that's what Satan would say. Did God really say, no, don't listen to him, I've got this secret. That's what Satan says. No, God loves us. He wants us to know the truth. He is the truth, and he knows what these things are. They're demons, and they can't do uh, anything but what they do. They lie. Satan's not only a murderer, he's a liar and the father of all lies. That's what demons do. They can't help but lie. 
right? They might bait you in with something, but they're always going to lie eventually. Okay, that truth, no pun intended, comes out. But mediumship, this is where they get it. So they get their source of truth, not from the Bible. They get it from astrology and mediumship. Mediumship is basically, some people would say it's like a psychic, but basically it is somebody who is trying to contact the dead. Okay, it's basically what it is. Now, we're going to break it down into... Uh, and, and for advice, for to supposedly tell the future or some secret knowledge or blah, 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 blah. That's the basic concept of mediumship. Don't go to God for advice. Don't go to God. He tells us the future. Hello, 300-some prophecies in Jesus' first coming, which he fulfilled down to the T. 300-some about his second coming. He fulfilled the first 300. What do you think he's going to do with the next 300? He's going to do those two. Okay? God tells you even the future in the Bible Okay, in great detail. But that's what these guys do. They, no, no, let's not go to God. Let's go to dead people. Uh, no wonder God takes offense to that, okay? But the first one we're going to take a look at is called the Ouija board. Uh-oh. Anybody ever mess with that? Yeah, not a good thing, okay? Uh, Ouija, W-O-U-I-J-A, comes from actually two words. Uh, the French word, we. Did you guys get that? We, thank you. Uh, we, uh, O-U-I, and the German uh, word, ja, both of them mean yes. So technically it means yes, yes. Okay. Now, it's also known as the spirit board or the talking board. It's a flat board marked with letters on the alphabet. Okay, if you guys, I'm sure, know what that looks like for that there. Oh, by the way, if you look in the media, because of the rise of witchcraft that's being promoted, especially among teenage girls today, uh, you'll be happy to know that they've actually got one out that's a pink one for girls. It looks so cool. So it's, you know, it's crazy. Uh, a spirit board talking board. It's a flat board marked with the letters of the alphabet and the numbers 0 through 9 with the words yes, no, hello, occasionally and goodbye, along with various symbols and graphics, okay, it uses a small uh, a heart-shaped piece of wood, it's called a planchette, okay, and the idea that they would have you and I believe is that if when a participant places his finger on the planchette, okay, and then the spirit begins to move this entity, whatever, okay, as you make contact with, and it will begin to spell out letters and words and stuff on the board, and there's your secret number. Now, it got commercialized, we're going to see in a second, it's nothing new, this is an old occult technique, not just a uh, uh, to the United States, okay, we'll get to that in a second, but it was commercialized by a businessman named Elijah Bond in 1890, okay, that's when it was uh, really uh, uh, prevalent, and then, of course, it didn't take too long, it became very popular. Uh, if you look at what was going on at the turn of the last century in the United States, the spiritualist movement, basically the occult, they didn't call it that. This is the spiritualist movement was huge. And this was one of the ways that people got into this with the Ouija boards and seances and stuff, okay? And uh, it was popularized as a divining tool during the era of World War I. And they basically believed that the dead were able to contact the living through this board, okay? Uh, is what they, and, and that if you use this board, this is one of the fastest means to get the job done. Okay, is, is what they believe, okay? Uh, and I quote, some have warned, though, that Ouija boards can lead to demonic possession. Now, turn to somebody and say this profound statement. <gasps> Duh. <laughs> yeah, we'll see some examples of that, okay, in just a bit. Uh, but, but again, this is nothing new. One of the uh, first mentions of uh, uh, these, the, and, and technically what this is, is like an automatic writing. We'll get into that, uh, Lord willing, in a little bit as well, Okay. Uh, but it's kind of like that via the board, okay, automatic writing. And, uh, but it's been going around for a long time. Uh, records have uh, uh, recorded that this kind of an instrument was used in China back in 1100 AD. So this is nothing new, man. It's just been literally repackaged and painted pink for girls today, okay, uh, uh, to contact the spirit world, the dead, okay. 
Uh, similar methods have been practiced also, though, not just in China, but India, Greece, Rome, and medieval Europe. So the Ouija board is nothing new. Okay? It's just been repackaged. The guy commercialized it. It's made it popular even in the United States. Okay? It's an occult technique. Now, what's interesting is Ouija board has been a source of, listen, inspiration, if you can believe this, for a bunch of literary works. Even literary works that have won Nobel Prizes, that people have actually got a Nobel Prize for, They've actually got that prize, and they admitted the whole thing came by using the Ouija board. Demonic. So it literally was inspired by demons, and it won these awards. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, Emily Grant Hutchins, she claimed that her novel, listen, was not only dictated by Mark Twain's spirit, okay, but she did it with a Ouija board, supposedly, after uh, his death. So somehow she said, and she wrote this book that supposedly was Mark Twain's spirit coming through, Whatever. Now, that starts to remind you of, uh, remember we talked before about uh, another lady who's supposed to conjure up some spirits for a political figure? Houston, remember, with uh, uh, Hillary? With Eleanor Roosevelt? Remember that? Well, I went a little bit deeper on that because it fits with this, because this is what they're doing. They're, they're mediumship. They're trying to contact the dead to get some sort of secret advice. So, but I went a little bit deeper, and it was much more than just Eleanor that she did this with in the White House, by the way. Let me share that with you. Uh, and this was a, according to uh, a Washington Post reporter, Bob Woodward, and he notes this in his book called How Bill Clinton Won. Okay, and I quote, uh, Hillary Clinton seemed uh, jerked around by the muddled role of First Lady as she swung between New Age feminist and National Housewife. So on the advice of her uh, one-time mentor, a psychologist, uh, Jean Houston, uh, she sought guidance from her hero, Eleanor Roosevelt. What's the problem with that? Yeah, rhymes with she's dead. Okay. <laughs> so, and I quote, one afternoon, Houston, who had previously been invited to Camp David, okay, this isn't the first time, joined Clinton in the solarium, a sun parlor with the three sides of glass windows perched at the top of the White House. And it was an afternoon, and they all sat around a circular table joined by several other members of the First Lady's staff. One was making a tape recording of the session. Wouldn't you like to get your hands on that? And then expose it. Uh, but anyway, Houston uh, asked Clinton to imagine Eleanor Roosevelt walking down the hall and to describe her and talk with her about the possible future uh, in her life. And, and Clinton did these things, and then Houston asked her, Hillary, to, quote, open herself up to Mrs. Roosevelt. This is a demon, because we're going to see in a second, as we've seen many times before, can somebody come back from the dead? No, Luke 16, there's a great chasm fixed between the two. You're not crossing over. Job has, says, you go to the place of no return, no return, no return. You ain't coming back. You're in heaven, praise God. Anybody glad you don't come back? Yeah, hello, eternal life is eternal, right? Woohoo, everlasting place, right? But unfortunately, the same is for hell. You're in hell, you ain't getting out. There is no second chance, right? And so what you're dealing with here was a, a demonic deception. So anyway, so she opens herself up to this Mrs. Roosevelt and uh, as a way of looking at her own capacities and her place in history. She's seeking device, advice from this demon, okay? Houston regarded it as a classic technique practiced by uh, Machiavelli, who used to also talk to ancient men. So apparently this guy used the same technique to get his thing. You go, well, who's this uh, uh, Machiavelli or Machiavelli, however you want to pronounce it there? And you go, well, this, so that was interesting. So I went down that rabbit trail. Now listen, this is Hillary Clinton, a political figure, right, using these techniques. And listen to this guy. Uh, his name is Nikolai Machiavelli. Okay, he's a politician. In fact, he's often been called the father of modern political science. But he's used in a negative sense, in a negative term. 
because he is used, when you speak of uh, Machiavellianism, is to characterize unscrupulous politicians. And he described, listen, immoral behavior, here's his theory, immoral behavior such as dishonesty and killing innocents as being normal and effective in politics. Sound a little familiar? Boy, that's interesting. And some uh, people uh, say that, that he basically uh, was providing evil recommendations to tyrants to help them maintain power. Interesting. Goes on. He also was, uh, is seen as being generally critical of Christianity, okay, specifically Christianity's effect on politics and everyday life. Keep Christianity out. Wow, and you're, you're going down this route, Hillary. Very interesting. And listen to his premise. The fear of God can be replaced by the fear of the prince if you have a strong enough prince. Or in this case, princess. Right? Don't listen to God. I'm going to threaten you with what? The fear, that's his whole premise, okay? So anyway, so that's kind of the, the route. That's what they're doing. Now listen, so back to the uh, Houston. She said, okay, so now they're tapping into this demon, right? And she says to Hillary, she says, what might Eleanor say? What is your message to her? She asked uh, Hillary. And, and so Hil Hillary addressed Eleanor. So now you've got contact going on with the what? This really happened in the White House, okay? And focused on her predecessor's fierceness and determination, right? Her identification with Mrs. Roosevelt was intense and personal. Well, if you thought that Machiavellian uh, connection was weird, listen to this. Eleanor Roosevelt. See if this sounds familiar. Eleanor Re Roosevelt, of course, was a politician herself. She wasn't just the first lady, right? Uh, in fact, even after his death, she remained in politics for the rest of her life. So she was a career politician. That's all she ever basically knew, right? Anyways, now, despite becoming pregnant and giving birth six times, Eleanor disliked sex with her husband, and she also considered herself ill-suited for motherhood, later writing, quote, it did not come naturally to me to understand little children or to enjoy them. So she disliked being a wife, and she did not like being a mother. Also, in the 1930s, Eleanor had a very close relationship with legendary pilot Amelia Earhart. And, of course, she went missing for some strange reason. Wasn't a cover-up or nothing, was it? Why would you have a cover-up with that? Well, listen to Eleanor's behavior. Very interesting. Roosevelt, Eleanor Roosevelt, had a close relationship with the... And, and by the way, this is secular knowledge. This thing, joeschmo.com. So even they admit this is her history. Okay, Roosevelt had a close relationship with the Associated Press reporter Lorena, uh, Lorena uh, Hickok, who covered her during the last months of the presidential campaign and, quote, fell madly in love with her. Uh, letters included on record statements such as, I want to put my arms around you and kiss you. Uh, I, I can't kiss you, so I kiss your picture. Good night and good morning. And it is known as a fact that in the White House press corps at the time that Lorena Hickok was a lesbian, and Roosevelt was close friends with several lesbian couples. And Roosevelt's childhood teacher was a great influence on her later in life and her thinking. She was a lesbian. So you hear, what? You may start to see stuff kind of weird. And so you're contacting this entity in the same way that this Machiavellian guy with the plague and killing innocents and fear of the weird and I'm sure it's just a quinky dink. <laughs> you know, <laughs> gets even worse. It was beyond that. Listen to this. Houston then, at the same time, in the White House, they're doing this, contacting demons. She suggested Clinton should talk to Gandhi, right? And Hillary expressed reverence and respect for Gandhi's life and works. Well, let's take a look at his works, too, like Eleanor. 
Uh, we, we mentioned a little bit this before. I'm going to go a little bit deeper, though, tonight. Uh, in London, Gandhi studied law. He joined the Vegetarian Society, and some of the vegetarians he met there were members of the Theosophical Society. Remember, he had a connection with Blavatsky, okay, and the other people, right? Mm, Gandhi, Gandhi, same guy who's involved with the New Age, right? So, and so now Hillary's channeling this guy, which is demonic, okay, whatever. Gandhi also stated, quote, in this on record, secular knowledge, that he believed that, quote, the white race of South Africa should be the predominating race, okay? And in 1906, remember he's supposed to be this peace-loving guy, made a movie about him and everything? No, I don't think so. Uh, 1906, the British declared war on the Zulu kingdom. Gandhi encouraged the British to recruit the Indians there, his own people. And he argued that they should do that to support the war efforts to legitimize their claims to full citizenship. Then he did it again in 1918 during World War I. Gandhi agreed to actively recruit Indians for the war effort. And he wrote, quote, to bring about such a state of things, we should have the ability to defend ourselves. That is the ability to bear arms or use them. If we want to learn the use of arms with the greatest possible dispatch, it is our duty to enlist ourselves in the army. So we need arms, we need weapons, we need to defend ourselves, and the best way to do that is to join the army. But you're supposed to be this peace-loving guy. You wouldn't hurt a flea. Hmm, interesting. Gandhi's war recruitment campaign brought into question the consistency on nonviolence. His private secretary noted, and I quote, the question of the consistency between his creed of ahimsa, remember that from Hinduism study? It means that nonviolence, you can't hurt anything. Right? Um, it, it, the, consistency of the, uh, the question of the consistency between his creed on Ahimsa and his recruiting campaign was raised not only then, but is still discussed ever since. Well, duh. You're supposed to be this uh, nonviolent person who wouldn't hurt a flea and, whatever, and you're supporting war. When it's convenient, you make the switch. Okay? Interesting. Now, here's where it gets really weird. Gandhi, although married and a father, he vowed to abstain from sexual relations. Now, again, here's what's weird. Remember in our text, 1 Timothy 4? In the last days, when people listened to demonic teachings, what was the two aspects there? You remember? Abstain from certain foods. What do you get involved in? Vegetarianism, right? Which latched him up with the Theosophical Society, who also was into that stuff. But also to order them to abstain from marriage. So celibacy, those two things. And he was involved in both of them. The Bible says that's what you can expect to happen on the scene in the last days and when people listen to teachings from demons. Okay, interesting. So anyway, so he, he vowed he, uh, to abstain from sexual relations, but in the 40s, in his mid-70s, listen, secular knowledge, he brought his grandniece in to sleep naked in his bed as a part of a spiritual experiment in which he could test himself. Not only her, several other young women and girls also sometimes shared his bed as a part of his experiments. Now, this caused such a ruckus that even some of his own personal staff resigned and said, dude, you, now you're really gone too far. But listen to what he said. Here's his rationale. But Gandhi said that if he would not let them sleep with him, it would be a sign of his weakness. Sure thing, Wally. <laughs> Yikes. You've got to be kidding me, okay? And I mentioned that you know, his statements about being uh, racist. Listen, this, this is this year. This year, a group is still going on today. A group of uh, Ghanaian academics and students uh, are still accusing Gandhi of being racist towards black people by holding the view that Indians were higher than them and is on record describing black Africans as savage and raw. And he also demanded separate entrances for blacks and Indians when he was holding office in South Africa. Now, has the media done a fantastic spin job on this or what? 
Oh, and by the way, remember, and we did talk about this before, uh, in a post-war interview in 1946, okay, he said, quote, Hitler killed 5 million Jews. He admitted it was the greatest uh, of crime of our time. But, the quote, the Jews should have offered themselves to the butcher's knife. Wait a second. You, when it was your people, you said, join the army, join the... But the Jews, yeah, you should have let them kill you. What did you even resist for? Now, what we also see was a common thread amongst those who get involved in the occult, certainly theophysy, New Age. What do these demons just can't help eventually lead them to? Not just abstain from certain foods, abstain from marriage, okay, but what? They hate the Jewish people and they hate Christians. Now, so that's the next one that Hillary's tapping into at the top of the White House with demons. Well, that's not good, okay? Now, and I quote, I had to close with this. Next, Houston suggested she talks to Jesus Christ on record. Now, of course, Jesus isn't going to respond to that. That's the occult, okay? But it's, it's the idea, right? You're not going to conjure up Jesus. Give me a break. This is all demonic, all of it, and God forbids it. But it's the idea. But listen to Hiller's response when Houston makes the suggestion to contact Jesus Christ. Quote, that would be too personal. And so she declined. Guilty conscience. Interesting. So that's what happens. See, mediumship, you try to contact the dead, Ouija board. So you got people even today still doing it. Uh, but again, you got many other people that this is the source of their inspiration for their books. You got uh, a lady named Pearl Coran, uh, alleged over 20 years that she was in contact with a spirit named Patience Worth. And this is where she wrote several knowledge uh, uh, works of poetry. And so I got to think, and just even now thinking about this, people have probably read these works. Oh, this is awesome. Not realizing it came from a demon, literally. Okay, 1963, Jane Roberts started experimenting with the Ouija board as a part of her uh, experiments in ESP, right? And uh, according to Roberts, she began to receive, <clears throat> she started out going out one route, and then she started to receive messages from a male personality who eventually identified, him, identified himself as Seth and uh, has since written many books on that new age thing. We're all gods and all that stuff is what that's all about. Okay, if you're not familiar with that. Uh, 1982, a poet, James Merrill, he wrote an apocalyptic 560-page epic poem uh, called The Changing Light of Sandover, uh, and he got it from messages that it was dictated using a Ouija board. So it's all from demons. Now, here's what's weird. That thing that came from demons, on record, won and received the National Books Critics Circle Award, and that's the book that I was telling you about won the Pulitzer Prize in the category of poetry. They give it to a demon. Wild. And then, of course, the spirits told them to do some more work and stuff of that nature. Uh, 2007, Coast to Coast AM. You guys familiar with that program? Okay. Uh, host George Norrie attempted to carry out a live Ouija board experiment on national radio to the objection of one of his guests. Yeah, hello. This is nothing you don't want to mess with, folks. People say, oh, just, it's pink. Girls will love it. You don't want to mess with this. This is an ancient occult technique. It is not a board game. In the murder trial of Joshua Tucker, his mother insisted that he had carried out the murders while possessed by the devil who found him when he was using the Ouija board. So the guy goes nuts, becomes a killer. His mom said it started when he started messing with the Ouija board. He became possessed. Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, used a Ouija board to conduct seances and attempts to contact the dead. That's weird. 
1994, convicted uh, murderer Stephen Young was granted a retrial after it was learned that four of the jurors had conducted a Ouija board seance and had contacted the murdered man who had named Young as his killer. Mistrial, but they actually went, oh, don't deal with the evidence, let's go on the Ouija board. Crazy, on record. And of course, Aleister Crowley had great uh, admiration for the Ouija board and uh, used that in many of his stuff, and Lord Bloom will probably get into him if you're not familiar with him when we get to the sections flat out on the occult and Satanism and stuff of that nature. But basically what you're dealing with here, the verbiage that's used in the Bible, okay, is these, this is not Gandhi that's conjured up. This is not Eleanor Roosevelt, okay? This is not the Machiavellian guy, whatever, okay? This is clearly what the Bible calls a, depending on your translation, uh, uh, spirits or a familiar spirit, okay? Familiar is a, from a Latin word familiar, it means a household servant, Okay, and basically the idea is that you conjure up these, these techniques, this mediumship technique, and conjures up a spirit that is basically there to serve you. Don't think so. Okay, it's all a ruse, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, just as a side note, Dave Hutton brings this out. Sometimes back, uh, th- what they would use is they would, uh, they would bring up one spirit, and that spirit was supposed to be, you know, kind of like the familiar spirit. They're there for you. We're here to help you in this process to obtain this great information. It's all demonic. It's all a ruse. But anyway, but, but it's called the control spirit. And basically, the control spirit was conjured up to basically protect you from the bad spirits. Which is all a ruse. People say black magic, white magic. Hello, it's all evil. I don't care what color it is. This is an easy one for you guys to get. You, you, you could boil it. You could bake it. You could fry it. You could skewer it. You could barbecue it. But chicken is evil. I don't care what you do. So, uh, It's the same. You know it's true, right? Just call it a different name. Yeah, whatever. It's evil. Well, let's move on and not get sidetracked, shall we? But anyway, a familiar spirit, that's all it is, right? Or a control spirit that's supposed to connect, you know, oh, we're going to protect you from these bad spirits over here, but, and, but we'll let only the good ones come in. No, it's all evil. It's all evil, but that's a familiar. As we saw, Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 18 says, don't uh, contact, don't use mediums or spirits or familiar spirits is the translation there in some of you guys. Uh, and basically, it's all demonic, and it was forbidden, and so God, so God was so serious about it that what? What was the punishment? Capital punishment. If somebody went down this route, and you're, you're getting toast. Now, again, the Bible says this is not a dead person. The Bible is extremely emphatic about it. Uh, Old Testament, New Testament, when you die, you're in either paradise, heaven, or you're in hell. And the only time you're getting out of hell, as creepy as this is, is at the very end, at the, at the end of the millennial kingdom with a great white throne judgment, all the people who have been in hell throughout all of man's history are raised one more time. You think you're out? <gasps> Only to go into the lake of fire. What a very creepy scene. Okay, but you're there for good until you go from the frying pan into the fire. It just got even worse. Uh, you have, of course, the one thing, and, and people, to me, I, unfortunately, I think get sidetracked. First Samuel 28, you have, you have the account of King Saul. What did he do? What mistake did he make? Mistake he made. He went to a medium, and what did he do? To conjure up, he needed advice, right? Once again, impatient, didn't want to do it God's way, didn't want to listen to God, he went to a medium, right? Now, there's a whole big debate, and I've heard both sides of the story, right? And I'm not here to get into that. That might be for another study, okay? But some would say, well, it really was the uh, spirit of Saul. Others say, no, it's not, because it's just right there. Some would say, well, God's just making a special exception. He's not saying it's the norm, but God can intervene or whatever. But some say, no, it's, it's not. The whole thing's a ruse. Either way, to me, you're missing the point. The point is, don't do it. And two, what happened to Saul? He lost his kingship, and he died shortly after, didn't he? Once again, don't mess with this. That's God's one. That's the whole point. Don't mess with it. It's kind of funny. It's like we major in the minors and minor in the majors, right? 
Uh, to me, it's the point of the passage. But it's a familiar spirit. But listen to this. Some other avenues which demons or familiar spirits can gain entrance into a person's life is not just the Ouija board, but divination, transcendental meditation. That's the stuff we saw coming into the church. Visualization, necromancy. We'll get to that, Lord willing, next. Witchcraft, drugs, and alcohol. And all those are things that you and I as a Christian are what? Don't go there. In fact, even with alcohol, you think, alcohol, alcohol. Well, when you get, you get so much alcohol, what happens? You start doing things you probably shouldn't do. Okay, but actually, there's also what happens is you start getting into, you know, an altered state of consciousness. And that demonstrates with how your driver speaks, you know, stuff like that. And uh, for those of you wondering, I don't drink before I preach on Sundays. That's just how I normally talk. So <laughs> just had to throw that out there. Uh, but anyway. Uh, but, but you get into an altered state of consciousness, and this is nothing new, okay? Uh, this is what the occult done, because if one of the fastest ways to get into an altered state of consciousness is you drug, and alcohol is one of the easiest drugs to get a hold of, okay? So a lot of people think it's just a physical. No, it's not. You keep pushing it, right? And you get into an altered state of consciousness. You don't want to mess with that. And that's why the Bible says, hey, don't be filled with wine, which isn't alcohol. What's he say? Be filled with. Now, the word there in the Greek, filled, it's not like, you know, your empty vessel. It means to be under the control of. So basically what he's saying is, don't be under the control of alcohol, and in this case, any of these other techniques. If you want to be under the control of something, because something's going to control you, isn't it not? Be under the control of the what? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. Don't let something hijack your brain and get you into another control, right? And be controlled by something else. We are to guard against, not join in with. Now that's the first one. The next one, okay, the Ouija board, is flat out necro Mancy, okay, coming from two words, necro and necros, uh, which means dead, and uh, uh, the mancy part there, of course, means a divination. Basically, you're trying to bring up uh, the dead, okay, a, a dead body. Now, uh, this was uh, early parts of it, shamanism. Again, we'll probably get much more in detail, American shamanism and, and some of the witchcraft and stuff of that nature. Uh, that's what they do. They would bring up the dead. Of course, they, they, they glamorize it today in Hollywood. Hey, uh, you know, and bring up the spirit of the dead guy and the dead animal. And the, it's necromancy. That's all it is. It's necromancy. But they want to make, oh, it's great. We'll become what, uh, the uh, Pukahontas. You guys remember that Disney movie? <laughs> yeah, you might as well puke because it was one of the most ripped off, horrible. I brought this out before in a message, if you recall, because I know you got them all memorized. Yeah. No, I'm not drinking. I'm telling you, I'm not drinking. Like, no, 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 uh, uh, no. But uh, Pugahannis, man, it was like, you, give me a break. What was she? she what they glamorize? The spirit. The, you know, it's nature worship. It's demon worship. It's it's necromancy and bring up the spirits from the tree and the the beaver and the bull and the the bear. And that's that's demonic. Kids thought it was great. Unfortunately, uh, anyway. So there's there's that aspect. But again, just this technique, just like the Ouija board, nothing new. And it wasn't just, well, the Indians invented this. No, it wasn't that. Okay, it's been around again for a long time. Babylon, Greece, ancient Greece, uh, Rome, and, you know, they were called themselves the diviners of the dead. Uh, one of the earliest ones is in Homer's Odyssey. How many of you guys ever read that? How many of you guys didn't realize that he did something besides that cartoon? The guy's a genius. He, that's all a ruse. You think he's just dumb, but he's really a good author. No, it's different Homer uh, for those of you who still think I'm drinking, <laughs> I'm off on a tangent. Homer's Odyssey, if you're familiar with that, under the direction of Circe, a powerful sorceress, uh, the uh, Odysseus travels to the underworld to gain insight about the impending voyage home by raising spirits of the dead through the use of spells which Circe taught him. And again, you all these techniques, how you can uh, conjure up the spirits and control them and make them do what you want them to do. That's the idea. 
okay? But that's, it's a ruse, okay? Uh, but anyway, they, they, there's this, they, they have the rituals, necromancy, necromantic rituals. Um, some, you know, they, they must be performed. Everybody has their technique, if you will, uh, around a pit with fire during nocturnal hours. Uh, some say you've got to follow a specific recipe, which includes the blood of sacrificed animals. Uh, you also need to concoct a drink for the spirit to drink uh, as you recite prayers uh, to both the spirits and also the gods of the underworld, etc., blah, blah, blah. Uh, some of them get very elaborate, involving magic circles and wands and talismans and incantations. And I'm just so glad that Hollywood doesn't promote any of this stuff. It's everywhere. What are they teaching people? What are they teaching kids? Oh, it's no big deal. It's entertainment. No, it doesn't. It has an effect on them. Half the church right now does not believe in the authority of the Word of God. They're going to turn to something for truth outside of themselves. And this stuff is very seductive. I remember when I first went down this route of going into the occult, even as a non-Christian man, I felt inside of me, the part of me that was created in the image of God, still cut off from God, sinner, doomed straight to hell. Praise God, Jesus intervened. But even when I started going down this dark route, something inside of me says, don't go over there. But, it's, but then once you break through that threshold, it's just, it's just it's a seduction. And even then, you still know what's wrong. But it's like you get sucked in. And then you get to a point where it's like you want to get out, but now they got you. What happened to me? I'm telling you, the stuff that's being promoted on TV is a seduction, right? Because kids go, oh, let's try it out. Oh, it's just, it's a pink Ouija board. It'll be fun, right? Oh, hey, you saw him do a movie. Let's draw a pentagram. And remember when I told you the story? This stuff happened. Was that a party, right? A party in my hometown? And what were the people doing? They had, the girl had snuck up into the upstairs bedroom, drawn a pentagram on there, was doing that, and she was conjured up spirits. Spirits coming down the stairs, freaked everybody out. It's really happened in my life. This stuff you don't want to mess with. And yet it's being promoted everywhere, right? But, but, but magic circles, wands, talismans, the necromancer might also surround himself with morbid aspects of death, which often include wearing the deceased clothing and, listen, consuming foods that symbolize lifelessness and decay. Yeah, you know what it was. I'm sure it was chicken. But anyway, let's move on. Some necromancers even went so far as to, listen, take part in the mutilation and the consumption of corpses. Okay? Uh, sometimes, again, everybody's got their technique, unfortunately. It could carry on for hours or for days, weeks, uh, until you eventually sum up the spirit, okay? And uh, why would they do this? Well, because their belief in this, of course, is they think that the dead, okay, which again, it's not the dead. You can't come back once you're dead. You're in heaven or hell, okay? But the, the spirit, the, what they think is the dead, uh, they think has unlimited knowledge. And again, what, what's the premise? This is where New Age gets their information. This is where they're getting their information. So, it's, of course, it's demonic, right? But they don't want to turn to the Bible, so they turn to this. They believe they have unlimited knowledge, whether they knew something in the past and they need to tap into it, or in the afterlife they have a higher knowledge base or, and or they can foretell the future. So that's the premise uh, that they're, they're doomed with this, and they think that that's what they're going to get from these demons. Okay? But again, of course, God uh, condones that. Now, there's three, uh, there's three things in totality that they think they can get. Right? Option number one. Okay? They can get this information, but it goes a little bit more with necromancy. Right? And the first thing is what they call, okay, will manipulation. Okay, will manipulation. And will manipulation is you conjure up supposedly this dead person, but it's a demon, okay, that will affect the mind and the will of another person or an animal 
or spirit, okay, and there are to cause very or to cause afflictions onto other people, to quote, drive them mad, to inflame them to love or hatred, to gain their favor or to constrain them to do or not do some certain deed. And basically we say, oh, they cast a spell on them or whatever, but that some spirit influenced them, right? Okay. And uh, I remember back when I was pastoring in Northern California, and there was a family telling me of some experiences they went through, and uh, they had shared that uh, the people next door to them, uh, they found out, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. you learn your neighbors, right? <laughs> uh, they were witches. And uh, they found out they were Christians, so they started sending spirits their way to do all kinds of horrific stuff to them. In fact, uh, he said, uh, all of a sudden, out of the blue, he says, we just got this absolutely crazy manifestation horde of cockroaches. Just, I mean, we're clean family, whatever. And it wasn't just a little bit here and slowly, it just like, it's like, where did all these crazy bugs come from? Another guy that I went to Bible college with before he got saved, he, there were sorcerers in Sacramento, downtown Sacramento, in the flats there. And he was down here, they were above here. They found out uh, about him and they wanted to mess with him. And uh, they would send spirits and things uh, his way. In fact, he would say that uh, they would, uh, this might sound kind of creepy to some of you, uh, witchcraft is big into mirrors, mirrors, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, because they believe that that's a portal into another dimension. We know that spirits come from another dimension, but take it for what it is. But what he would say is not only they would mess with him spiritually, and of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. you find out later, as soon as he found out what they were doing, even as a non-Christian, okay, I'm moving. Okay, but anyway, he said that he'd be in his room and these little entities would be coming in through his mirror and things of that nature, okay? This is stuff you don't want to mess with, okay? But it's being promoted. But that's will manipulation. You can get somebody to do something, or love potion number nine, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, you guys were thinking about it. I know, right? You can make somebody fall madly in love, or get mad, hatred, or do something, or not do something, or what? Oh, it's basically manipulation, okay, the spirit. Now, if you think that's crazy, take it for what it is. I've shared this before. Um, Revelation chapter 6. Let's take a look there real quick, real quick. Revelation chapter 6. And the Bible talks about, uh, this is not a uh, make-believe. The pastor's trying to scare us. No, this is really out there. All right? You don't need to blank go to the one extreme we talked about on Sunday and say that the devil made me do it or the devil blew my tire out and maybe, maybe not. Okay, but spiritual warfare is an option. Right? But let's take a look at that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12, uh, even tells us uh, clearly, Ephesians. Yeah, sorry about that. Ephesians. Uh, <laughs> But Revelation is good, uh, chapter 6. That's the first half of the seven-year tribulation. Just wanted to freak you out a little bit, get your drilling going. Now let's get to the right text. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 12. Paul says, for our struggle is just all natural. You know, there's nothing supernatural going on. I mean, we may not be able to, hey, if I can't see it, it can't be real. No, he didn't say that. He said, for our struggle is not what? Is not against flesh and blood, but against, listen, listen notice to the categories, rulers, and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, three, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Four different categories. And I don't have time to get into it, but some would say that's even kind of like a hierarchy uh, that's going on there. Uh, I like what one guy said that, you know, even if that's true, isn't it funny how the demons apparently work in order, in structure, to do their evil deeds? Too bad we, the church, couldn't do it. We're, what do we do? We don't follow structure, we don't follow God's order. We beat each other up. But maybe it has to do with spiritual warfare because we don't take this uh, text seriously. But let me give you some, uh, this, you know, mention about will manipulation. Take it for what it is. This is according to witchcraft, okay? And this is some of the demons they have given names to that they believe is part of 
thrusting upon people to manipulate. Uh, first, they're supposed to be reggae. He's the, considered the general of the occult. Uh, he deals with such drugs as marijuana, hashish, cocaine, uh, speed, LSD, peyote, mescaline. These are the drugs of sorcery, right? And are used to attack the mind and to open it for a demon to enter. Two, there's Lars. He's the demon of sexual lust, homosexuality, adultery, and other sexual perversions. Three, there's Bacchus. He's the demon of addictions such as drugs or smoking and alcohol. Pan, he's the demon of the mind. It's actually where we get our English word panic, right? Uh, he causes mental illness, depression, suicide, nerves, and rejection. Five, there's a Medit. He's the demon of hate, murder, killing, war, jealousy, envy, and gossip. Uh, Set, he's the demon of death. He incites wars, genocide, uh, and terrorism. And the seventh one, there's more, but these are supposed to be, according to witchcraft, one source, the most powerful ones in the hierarchy. He's simply called the Christian demon. Listen to what this guy's supposed to do. That particular demon has no set name. He is so powerful that most witches won't even bother him. His job is to weaken a Christian's walk with the Lord by making him content. Oh, that's good enough. Eh, who cares? Whatever. Hey, if I get there, I get there. If I don't, whatever. Make him content. Okay. Uh, fail to live up to church commitments such as giving, soul winning, and church participation. Basically, just check out. Go through the motions. Good thing we see no signs of that in the American church. However, one of his most destructive tactics is to get Christians to talk about each other through gossiping and causing strife within the church. Ooh, an actual demon that that's his technique to take down. That's very interesting. So that's will manipulation. That's what they think they're going to get uh, from these entities. The second one is called illusions. Okay, illusions. And illusions are basically involves the literal, what, the reanimation, they believe, of the dead or conjuring up food, uh, or conjuring up entertainment or, quote, modes of transportation. The magic carpet ride, right? And stuff of that nature. Or, uh, basically, they want to get it also for will manipulation, illusion, they say, or, again, for knowledge. And they believe that, again, these things got some secret knowledge. They got a higher knowledge. Higher knowledge just need to tap in from their past life or supposedly and, and, and or what they've learned in the afterlife or they could foretell the future, etc. blah, blah, blah. And uh, they would do this oftentimes with uh, uh, circles. Uh, and oh, also, this might help involve identifying criminals, finding items, or revealing future events. We mean finding criminals. Did you know that many police forces around the United States, I think in England too, uh, elsewhere, obviously, unfortunately, they will use so-called psychics to find where the a person's body is. And you know, sometimes they actually find the body. <gasps> oh, it must be real. We've got to listen to that. We've got to forget the Bible. This stuff is real. This is. Uh... Well, that's the ruse, isn't it? What does the demon want you to do? Man, do anything. Go anywhere. Read anything. I don't care if it's the comic books. Just don't read this book. Don't learn about God. Don't learn about Jesus. Right? And you think about it. Um, did it really take something supernatural, incredible power to reveal where that's at? No. You do the occult technique. You tap into a demon. Hmm. I'm not a prophet nor the son thereof, but uh, I'm kind of guessing that at the act of murder and the point of murder and the place of murder that this murder take place, there was a demon there. So, of course, they're going to know the location. There's no supernatural power about it at all, right? But that, if that's what it takes to seduce people away, they'll even throw in a seemingly good thing, right, for this so-called... Uh, practice, okay? Uh, but that's that. And then, of course, what, what, what's, the, what's the payoff? Is it free? Nothing's for free. Uh, sacrifice was the payment, 
for summoning these entities up. And it may involve the flesh of a human being. Yes, human sacrifice, unfortunately, still goes on today in these rituals. Uh, could be uh, uh, animal sacrifice. Sometimes it could just be uh, a certain object. Uh, time, location, and the method of gathering items for the sacrifice was also an important role uh, of the ritual. A lot of times they would be done at certain times, uh, summer solstice, things of that nature. Uh, Halloween, Hallow's Eve, that's a big high holy day for folks involved in this stuff, unfortunately. Uh, and that's easy. Uh, in fact, uh, one guy, uh, one report says they showed a, quote, a group who were plotting to invoke the demon Beric, okay, B-E-R-I-C-H, from inside a circle made with strips of cat skin. I thought, well, okay, I guess the curiosity killed the cat for your circle, but also for me, too. Who's this, what's this Beric thing? Well, it's actually, he's uh, supposed to be the Duke of Demons, uh, also known as Baal Bareth. Baal, like in the biblical term. Uh, he's supposed to appear as a soldier riding a red horse wearing red clothing uh, and said to be a fine singer. Uh, biblically, he's actually mentioned, this entity is mentioned in the Bible as the patron god of Canaan. Uh, and the culture that day made small figurines of him and carried them around, occasionally pulling them out to kiss them as worship. Uh, he was even more popular than the kings of the region, this demonic entity. And he could sing. Too bad that people don't get crazy about Hollywood and entertainers and kiss their pictures and sing. Yeah, that's kind of a form. Uh, he supposedly can turn metal into gold, uh, tell people about their past, present, future, and he gets a demonic ruse. I'm just reading to you what, it, what it, the, the thing is, and this is from a, a site that wants you to do this. Okay, uh, and increase your social status to a high degree, help you get promoted in jobs or government, can improve your reputation and bestow a title on your name. Well, in Christian history, this entity, this Canaanite uh, demon, uh, was specifically a demon supposedly who tempted men to blaspheme and to commit murder. It's all a ruse, all a ruse, okay? Necromancy, of course, is one of the three chief branches. There's ceremonial magic. There's black magic and white magic. Again, like with the obvious chicken analogy, you call it ceremonial, call it black, call it white. It's all evil. Don't go there. Uh, you don't want to mess with it. Now, in modern day, we don't call it that. We don't say, hey, guys, come on over. Let's practice necromancy. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, it usually doesn't go that way. But hey, won't you want to come over and have a seance? Let's bust out that Ouija board. It's purple now. It's cool, right? Hey, didn't you watch that movie? Let's give it a try, right? Uh, or the big term now, now we're going to get into this next one, is called channeling. Hey, well, that's, that's a pretty innocuous term. Everybody can do channeling, huh? Remember those days? How many of you guys remember that when you actually had to get off the couch to turn the channel? Remember that thing? And, and then uh, you used to, like, break your arm or you end up with Popeye forearms. That's how Popeye got his forearms. He had to turn the channel. Remember that, those things? And then remember when you're, you had the, the look of, it was like demon fire coming out of your dad's mouth when you lost that thing and it came out of it and you couldn't find it? And maybe it was just me. Let's move on. Uh, but <laughs> so channeling is the term that they'll use today. Okay. Uh, this really gained popularity. Uh, and again, at the turn of the last century, uh, it's really gaining popularity uh, today because of the new age. Now, the difference though with channeling, okay, these guys, this whole entity right now is to bring up the demon. They'll call it spirit, they'll call it Eleanor Roosevelt, whatever they are, but it's a demon. They bring up the demon, and the demon informs them. Well, the difference with channeling is the demon goes in you, right? 
The demon goes in you, it takes over your vocal cord and speaks through you. It's full-blown possession is what it is. Been there, done that, unfortunately. You guys know my testimony. I was probably not oppressed. I was probably possessed multiple times because part of New Age invites you to have these things come in you, to speak through you, to give you this knowledge, to become a disseminator of the light. Okay, and uh, God rescued me from that personally. Uh, but that's the one thing, and uh, they involve that uh, they, they either take uh, vo- the message or the second aspect is, okay, maybe they're not taking over your voice, but they're inside your head. And inside your head, uh, you hear stuff. And then you go, uh, the Spirit uh, told me uh, to tell you, who's that sound like? That's like that John Edwards guy, right? Bunch of baloney, okay? Uh, what also does that sound like? You ever go to a church service and you hear somebody? Uh, the Spirit of God told me to... Did you know that's an occult practice? You better be very careful with that. Go back to Deuteronomy 18. Very careful with that. Very strong warnings against that. Okay? And as I always say, um, how about just stick with the Bible? Can we just stick with the Bible? Right? Now, I believe God will communicate through us, certainly through nudges, but you better be very careful with when you say, God told me. Because now you're bringing God into the equation, right? And if you're going to say that God told you something, then with all due respect, can we start adding it to this book? Because all these words came from God. And if you're going to say, and you got a, quote, fresh word from God outside this book, then we're doing a detriment to the body of Christ, and we need to come out with a new New Testament. Did you know that's the basis for Mormonism? Because Joseph Smith got a new, new look. And as he looked into the hat with the seer stone with his head covered up. We'll get to that eventually, Lord willing. Right? But Deuteronomy 18, listen to God's warning uh, as you read. Now, we already said, he says, don't get involved in these practices. Okay? But Deuteronomy 18, let's continue on. And he says uh, uh, to these people, uh, Genesis, Leviticus, Deuteronomy 18, what is the warning? So somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, I got a word from God here. God told me here. I'm a prophet of God and God this, God that. Right? Let's take a look here. Here's what he says there. A verse like uh, down there in, what is that, 17, somewhere in there. The Lord said to me, okay, uh, oh, okay, uh, verse uh, 14, the, the, the nations you'll dispense, uh, dispense uh, they practice sorcery, divination, but as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for your prophet, etc., etc. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, what they say is good, etc. Okay, are they, if any, all right, here we go. Um, I will put my words in his mouth, a genuine prophet of God. He will tell them everything I command them. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. But, now that's if it's a genuine prophet of God, which was the Old Testament. But listen to what God says. But a prophet, a person, whoever, who presumes to speak in my name, God says, anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be what? And God, so here's your acid test. Well, you may say to yourselves, well, how can we know? How do we know if it's true or not? How is it really a prophet of God or not? When a message has not been spoken of the Lord, how do we know? Well, if a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord, he does not take place. If it does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. Why? Because God doesn't lie. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. Right? God doesn't take kindly when people play so flippantly and say, oh, he told me to tell you. Really? Better be careful. I know sometimes we use Christianese, and I know sometimes that's not what people are literally meaning. I'm just telling you be careful. Because there are people in the church today who think that they are a genuine prophet of God, okay, 
uh, and that God has given a specific word outside the Bible, and you better be careful. Okay? But that's the same thing that these guys do. They say that in channeling, either the thing takes possession over you, speaks through you, and speaks out of you, or you hear it, and then you relay it to other people. So that's their do things. Uh, Spiritism does this. Voodoo does this. Uh, New Age, of course, does this, uh, and that's what it's uh, uh, done into. Uh, during seances, mediums are said to go into trances. They get into an altered state of consciousness, uh, varying from light to deep. They, they literally permit them to walk in, to take over, to take over their minds, to take over their vocal cords, okay? But that's the first step. The first step is to get into an altered state of consciousness, okay? And, uh, and, and then, of course, they don't want to say, oh, I got this from a demon. Nobody's going to say that. That's, that's not... Who's coming to your party now, right? Okay, uh, they, they believe these are messages from a teaching spirit, is their words, a, an ascended master. Some will even use Christianity say, oh, this has got to be from God, or an angel, okay? Or some would just use kind of the generic term, my higher self, and things of that nature uh, is what's going on there. But let me give you just a, a few things that people, because uh, I want to end on a video, because I want to show you what this looks like. Okay, and how demonic it really is. Uh, but basically, uh, throughout uh, uh, even recent history, a lot of people are, are getting involved into it. What I'm going to share with you is a, a, a lady named Jay-Z Knight. Okay? And uh, she's supposedly in contact with this spirit named Ramtha, and, uh, who's supposed to be a 30,000-year-old guy. Okay? Uh, they also say that these are people from future dimensions that are coming through. It's all demonic. Uh, UFO space brothers, right? Some people say it's Jesus. Right? And then if you look at the people, guess who, all, uh, who else was also involved in this kind of practice? Let me just rip some names off. Uh, Helena Blavatsky. Remember her? Theosophy. Where'd she get her information from? This is it. Uh, Edgar Casey. Remember him? The sleeping prophet? To get his you know, cures for people. That, you know, whatever. Okay. Benjamin Cream. Remember the guy with the Maitreya? Where's he getting his information from? Altered state of consciousness. Connecting with these demons. Uh, Gene Dixon. Right? Uh, supposed to be that prophet. Uh, John Edward, I just mentioned him. Uh, Esther Hicks, uh, uh, Jay-Z Knight, we'll see the video in a second. Ruth Montgomery, uh, used to be a very popular uh, psychic. Jane Roberts, I mentioned her with Seth. Uh, things that. Helen Shukman, who's that? Remember the lady who heard that voice, right? Because there's either full-blown possession through the vocal cords, or you hear a voice and then you repeat it from the supposed spirit. She believed that was the spirit of Jesus Christ. That's where the Course of Miracles came from. Remember that, Course of Miracles? Right? It was a form of uh, channeling. Uh, Neil, Donald Walsh, David Wells, Lisa Williams. Who, who are those people? Oh, those are regular guests on the Oprah Wong Kenobi show. As she promotes that as well. But we're going to close with this. I'm going to give you uh, just a little teaser of what does this look like. Okay? And as you're going to see, the guy brings out the point that uh, for some strange reason, these spirits always have a very bad British accent. <laughs> Spirit channelers and mediums from all walks of life claim contact with the spirit realm. The purpose of this contact, supposedly, is to teach mankind to achieve a higher state of consciousness through the knowledge they present. A classic example is Jay-Z Knight, a highly successful spirit channeler who channels a spirit calling itself Ramtha. Ramtha's School of Enlightenment claims to reach some 60 cities in 26 countries around the world. In this interview, shot in 1998, Knight explains how she came in contact with her guiding spirit. This was like an angel in my kitchen. You, do, you don't have time to react. You don't have time to, to, to rationalize this in your life. 
This is happening in your little kitchen. You just, I just blurted out, you're so beautiful. Who are you? And he smiled. This beautiful smile lit up the whole room. And he said, I am Ramtha the Enlightened One. And I've come to help you over the ditch. And I looked back up at him. And he said, beloved daughter, he said, I have come to make you a light to the world. Equipped with a bad British accent, something that seems common among channelers, Knight gives herself over to the spirit of Ramtha. I am Ramtha the Enlightened One. I am 35,362, one and 37 seconds years old. I was born in that which is termed a great and marvelous place called Muria. And my destiny here is to teach you that which you desire to know. And to let you know that every word that I say, I will manifest for you in your life. Incredibly, throughout the interview, Ramtha and Knight repeat the central themes of the New Age movement over and over, insisting that there is no death and that man himself is a god, his only task being to realize his self-empowerment. So I must become the teacher. I must plant in your mind outrageous concepts. Ramtha propagates the New Age lie that man has many opportunities to get it right through reincarnation and evolution. Years ago, I would say that I'm relatively young to many of you who have been reincarnating and slowly evolving to ask the great questions. I love it that he says to us that we are divine. The journey of awakening is not through a redeemer, but when we realize we are our own redeemer. It is a lie, is a lie, what the fanatics tell you. As with the rest of the movement, rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ and the teaching of the church is essential to the message. Religion is no longer sacred. Everyone questions the church. They should. You don't have to feel guilty about your life anymore. I would love someone to stand up and say, God doesn't live outside of you. God is you. So how do you know if something's from the Lord or not? Number one, if it doesn't come true, we just read that text. Number two, you do what demons do. What do demons do? They lie. How many lies did you count in that? Right? But notice how she said... Okay, it all started. It's got to be good. It's got to be true. It's, some people would even say, it's got to be from God because I was in my kitchen. It was a beautiful light. And what's the scripture say? Who can masquerade as an angel of light? So you're wrong on a multitude of levels. And of course, even more so, if somebody comes up to you with a bad British accent, <laughs> just get on with it. <laughs> no, just run from it. Right? It's crazy. But folks, this is what people... Can I tell you, well, honestly, having been here in that community, this is coming into the church. Now, they're not going to say that was Ramtha. That's too obvious. They will take Christianese. They don't study the Bible. And apparently this is too old. Not good enough anymore. But they'll sit there and say, God told me. I got this vision. And it's a bunch of... How many times have people said that America is going to burn? 
Now, I think that's a whole other topic, you know, in Bible prophecy, right? But it had... How many of you guys realize that it hasn't burned yet? I mean, they're talking nuclear wars. I've heard from people warn me, call me here in Vegas. Pastor Billy, don't you know there's the, a new revelation going out? The Spirit of God is going across the church. Vegas is going to get nuked. I've heard that every year, I think, since I've been here. Now, could Vegas get nuked? Yeah. Soaking around. But guess what? The moment it didn't happen, you should shut that person off, run from them, and stick with the Bible. But this is what people are doing. This isn't good enough anymore. I say this all the time. I tell people in the church, this is not good enough. They don't preach it, they don't read it, and they need some sort of fantastic person dressed in a robe and speaking with a British accent. Because we need something more than, that's one of the biggest dangerous things in the church today. You stick with this book, you'll be just fine. In fact, this is the only book that tells you how to know when you're being deceived. And once you veer off, that's exactly where Satan wants you, right? But that's just the practices. Lord willing, we're going to get into a few more practices next time. Uh, it gets even worse as you go because this is where New Age is getting their information. It's all demonic. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word. Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. 
He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the heart, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? 
That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.